Hi friends, this is Terry. And this is Anne-Marie. And this is Therapists After Hours. <laughs> and it actually really is today. It's, yep, end of a work day. Late. And I gotta be honest, I'm pretty nervous about this, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So I guess we wanted this episode to be about us, why we're starting this podcast, um, why we became therapists in the first place, mm -hmm. and how we met, and yeah, where we're going now. Mm -hmm. I'll start with why I wanted to start a podcast in the first place. So mental health is like a hot topic right now with Bell Let's Talk and all these initiatives um, about mental health shouldn't be stigmatized and all of that stuff, which is great. But when it comes down to it, people who don't know much about mental health and what it looks like in real people can feel scared or confused by the nitty gritty. So for me, it's about actually destigmatizing mental health, mental illness, um, and demystifying it basically. Mm -hmm. Hopefully some of you listening to this will relate to some of the things that we'll be exploring on this podcast. Yeah. I think for me to echo everything you've just said, I would add to that that I think while we're working on removing some of the stigma with mental wellness, there's a lot of communities that still don't have access to mental health support and um, cultures that don't even really even have language for mental wellness. And so hopefully something like this, which is much more informal and accessible, will allow people to have conversations, will allow people to think about what mental health is, how you can get support, and really just understand what's going on for everyone it can be really relatable. And mm -hmm. your experience, while it may feel lonely and independent from everyone else, could be something that someone else relates to or resonates with. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Why did you become a therapist? <laughs> So many reasons. <laughs> I think for me, like becoming a therapist would be really hard to sum up in even one episode of a podcast or two episodes of a podcast. This is a really long journey. Um, but ultimately, what I can say is that it's a lot of what's gone on in my personal life starting at a really, really young age. My own personal experiences with anxiety in particular um, focusing on my need to people please, my lack of understanding of what boundary building looks like, and all of those pieces kind of put together are the driving forces that sort of lit up my personal path to becoming a therapist and wanting to help others. I would say that everybody's life story leads them to where they are in this moment, whether it be mm -hmm. good or bad. Uh, mental health has touched my life for my entire life mm -hmm. from before I had words to describe it mm -hmm. or understand it. Some, sometimes it was 
me experiencing those things. Sometimes it was people that I knew and loved, but basically I think I found that I was really interested in why humans, Mm -hmm. why people act the way that they do and the whole variety of human behavior. I think in like first year psych, that Mm -hmm. was what (laughs) hooked me. I was like, there's explanations for so many things that might feel scary or might be, Mm -hmm. you know, feel unexplainable, but there are reasons. And, um, I found myself at a crossroads later in university where I knew that I didn't want to go into research. Mm-hmm. I knew that I just wanted to help people. And so that kind of turned me towards counseling. But even at that point, it wasn't a straight road. It was, yeah. it was still convoluted from there. Um, do you want to get into some personal stuff? Yeah. So our current clients who might be listening yes. to this right now, this is not therapy. Yes. That's very important to clarify. <laughs> um, part of this that we're nervous about, but also excited about mm-hmm. is because it's not therapy, there is an opportunity and a risk yeah. where we can be the human version of ourselves first. Mm -hmm. That's always been really important for me. Human first, therapist second. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes us relatable for our clients and why they come back Mm -hmm. week after week, month after month. (laughs) Year after year at this point. (laughs) But the people that we will eventually chat with in these podcasts will not be clients. Mm -hmm. They never have been clients, Mm -hmm. nor will they be future clients. So it's important to put that out there that we have boundaries and we are going to be our most authentic human selves in these episodes while still keeping in mind that as therapists, we have to have boundaries with our public also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that, we can start getting into like the nitty, the nitty gritty, <laughs> the fun stuff that everyone's like clawing at wanting to know about yeah. their therapists that they're sitting at home listening to. <laughs> yeah. I will give the caveat. We're not going to get into like super detail yeah. um, because of the aforementioned boundaries, <laughs> but okay. So I think we've kind of touched a couple times already just so far mentioning things like long before we had even language for it or words for it. And I think that's where my story kind of starts with mental health is long before I ever had a word for it, I was experiencing anxiety. And so growing up, I was very different in school and I was taller than the other girls in my class. I was curvier than them. I was focused on my academics and I just seemed to do everything slightly differently than them. And I never felt like I quite fit in. And because of that and all of that put together, I experienced uh, many, many, many years of bullying. And so I remember going to birthday parties. (laughs) My mom always laughs about this, but even though I was bullied, I was invited to parties and (laughs) My mom would have to warn the parents of whoever was hosting that party going up to it that, you know, just 
FYI, Anne-Marie may be sick at this party. And it wasn't because I would eat too much or that I had the flu or anything like that. It was because I would get so anxious or excited or nervous that I would, without doubt, end up in the washroom cleaning up my vomit <laughs> and not knowing as a child that that was a physical reaction to anxiousness. I just kind of went through life experiencing that and that grew with me and turned into being a really anxious person leading up to things like dates with people and wouldn't eat for a whole day if I knew I had a date that day because I had to avoid that sick pit in my stomach that would turn into nausea and all of these physical things that would happen to me that I just, I didn't have a label for. And so we just chalked it up to that's Anne-Marie's quirk. She gets sick at parties. <laughs> so I think for me, that was one of the biggest pieces of why I follow this path in life. Um, there are a lot of really other intense experiences. Um, and from like a highbrow perspective of what mental health struggles look like, you know, growing up around people who had experienced and struggled with addiction, um, seeing the impact that it had on them and their loved ones, um, being around people who had diagnoses of depression or anxiety, people that I loved experiencing postpartum depression, people that I loved experiencing emotionally abusive relationships, and then my own personal struggles with self-esteem and a sense of worthiness in life. All of those pieces, when you kind of pile them up all together, really severely impacted my journey in life for a lot of reasons. Um, so that's a lot of why I'm here today, why I am who I am today. And I think that's where my like fixer in me comes in. Mm -hmm. I want to, my, my origin story was like, I want to fix people. I want to help fix their problems, mm -hmm. which probably comes from my dad, who was always the fixer who came in with a solution. And we learned, got to tell dad, I just, dad, I just want to talk, just listen. Mm -hmm. And so I realized in that me needing those things from my dad that I just needed sometimes for someone to listen and to support me. Other people need that too. Not always the fix. So all of those pieces put together the fact that I'm the girl who can sit on a couch for hours and talk as I'm sure everyone has already picked up on and anyone listening who knows me love to talk and I can do it for hours, but I've managed to turn my experiences into not only loving to talk, but also loving to listen and being supportive. And so that's what I keep in mind when I'm doing therapy. What is the hardest thing for you? Like you, mm. when you're talking about being a fixer, yeah, <laughs> that resonates with me so much because I'm also mm -hmm. a fixer. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. Yeah. For me in sitting in session is sometimes you need to, or 
almost all the time. Almost all the time. <laughs> you need to let people come to their own solutions mm -hmm. instead of like climbing over yourself to, to go, Oh, I know the answer. Yes. Do this. And it will be, you will feel better. Yeah. Do this and that will go away. Yeah. My, that's my biggest struggle. Yeah. Like sitting with people in yeah. session is helping them to just find their way mm -hmm. instead of like telling them mm -hmm. what the way is. Well, and I think for me, I've also struggled with that. I mean, there is solution-focused therapy. I tend to not lean towards that because I think that if people could solve their own problems and just do what we tell them to do, it, nothing is that simple. There's always a bigger story. And what I find is that the validation and the support and being the listening ear and giving someone the space to have a voice is so much more powerful than any other tool we can hand over. Mm -hmm. And that's not saying that the tools aren't helpful. It's saying that without that foundation of first having a big voice and a space to talk and be vulnerable and safe, mm -hmm. that all the tools can add to that. But without that foundation, the tools are going to fall flat. Mm -hmm. So I think I agree with you. It's really hard to not lean towards the fixer, but having seen how it feels for myself to be just supported, guided, and the results that come out of that in my life. I think that's what I use to kind of mirror when I'm talking to a client to make sure that maybe I'm offering solutions sometimes. What's your story? We're both going to end up crying sometime in the course. Oh of yeah, I've already held it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my story. Well, I have a similar mm -hmm. kind of anecdote. So I have dealt with anxiety my whole life. But as a kid, it was, oh, Terry is a worry wart. Mm. Oh, it's so cute. Like, just relax. Um, and for me, obviously, it wasn't that simple. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have an understanding that it was anxiety until that intro to psych course. Mm -hmm. um, but I distinctly remember that as a kid littered around my bedroom, I had water bottles mm. and I would chug water in order to calm down enough to go to sleep. So I would like chug a full water bottle and have my stomach sloshing around. And it's the only way that I could calm down and get mm. to sleep. And I was like, well, it's just, I'm just a worry wart. Mm. Lo and behold, it's just the first tool that I found to deal with my anxiety. Yeah. Um, and that comes from a lot of things, including like family dynamics, expectations of yourself. Um, I've been a perfectionist, quote unquote, perfectionist mm -hmm. my whole life. And that is partially the reason that we're starting this podcast in the first mm -hmm. place. Because whenever I feel overwhelmed with life as it is, I tend to have to add something to Pick up it. a new thing to do. Yeah, let, let me try this thing that I've never done before and am completely unsure of just to see if I can succeed at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, as 
an eight-year-old, I didn't have an understanding that I was so nervous for no reason Mm -hmm. because I was anxious. I had anxiety and I had to find ways to calm down, Mm -hmm. i.e. manage my anxiety. Yeah. And for me, that looked also physical. Yeah. Chugging water. I still do it to this day. Mm-hmm. Almost through my glass of water. <laughs> um, and from there, it's been, you know, family dynamics that are at times toxic. There's mm-hmm. peer pressure and high expectations at school and family members who deal with addiction self-medication is a real real thing to going to university and not really knowing who I am Mm -hmm. having friends with mental health issues diagnosed or not and at that time in my life I found myself in a very comfortable role of mediator mm-hmm. of translator of you know the person who can make things better mm-hmm. that fixer like you were talking about and so in university in my house of four girls i was the one going you know what she means by this mm-hmm. is actually like I care about you a lot but xyz right or and xyz what she actually meant by that is you know I'm really scared to lose you Mm -hmm. in the midst of a fight between four girls who are (laughs) well we all know how four girls in a house are gonna be (laughs) yes can be lovely can be tough um And then at that point, I was like, oh, this is something that I'm good at, important for the perfectionist Mm -hmm. (laughs) inside. Um, So let's keep doing it. Mm -hmm. What I didn't know going into counseling and becoming a therapist is what we were talking about earlier. Like, you don't fix for people. You Mm -hmm. Rarely translate life for people in a way that is palatable because that doesn't actually help them. But it's interesting though, because how many times do we have people come in our doors and say, how do I fix this? Or how can you fix me? Or what do we need to do to fix me? Yeah. And it's not about that. You. Well, my thing is like, you're not broken. Exactly. You're not broken. You're experiencing something that you need to talk out or overcome or or the place that you are now is a result of ways that you learn to cope hope yeah with things that either you had words for Mm -hmm. or you didn't Mm -hmm. but it's it's not that you're making the wrong decision all the time it's that you've learned to make certain choices that have protected protected you. you Yeah, so it's our job to uncover, unpack, Mm -hmm. help understand, give perspective, feedback, Mm -hmm. not fix. Mm -hmm. How is that for you as a fixer, self-diagnosed fixer? (laughs) (laughs) It's the next hot diagnosis. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, it's a constant learning process. I'm sure my clients who have been with me since practicum mm -hmm. years ago now mm -hmm. can see a difference because as they're growing, I'm growing right. too. And I've learned just as much mm -hmm. probably yeah. from my clients as they learn from me. And my thing is with clients who have been with me for a long time and who are really quick to like heap praise mm -hmm. is that it's not me. Like yeah. I'm doing the work with you for an hour mm -hmm. every week or two weeks or month. Yeah. You're going out there and you're taking that vulnerability, that rawness, that resilience, and you're working at it and working at it until you see changes. Right. And like that work, the work outside of the office is so much more important, I would say, mm -hmm. than what we actually do in, yeah. in my office. Yeah. Because one hour in the grand scheme of someone's life is a blip. And mm -hmm. so it's lovely when we get comments from our clients who are grateful for what we've done to support them. And I always feel a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. when someone thanks me for their progress. I'm never going to take ownership for someone's progress because you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You're doing the work. I'm just helping you through it. I'm being that ear. There's, Someone said at one point, it's like, you have the key to the door. You have to open it. I'm just helping you or I'm handing you the key so that you can open the door. Mm -hmm. That's on you, not on me. Even though it feels like maybe therapy or your therapist nudged you and helped you get through that door. You did it yourself. Mm -hmm. You walked through it. My supervisor during practicum, I'll shout out Janina here. <laughs> um said to me <laughs> it was a conversation about writing notes mm -hmm. and i use like soap notes yeah. if anyone out there is familiar therapist <laughs> <laughs> therapist healthcare worker yeah. um where the p in soap is planned yeah. and she said well most of the time my plan just says safe holding space mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. At that time when I heard it, I was like, but you need a plan. <laughs> but now half of my plans are safe holding space. Yeah. How often do you get to sit with someone who cares deeply about you mm -hmm. with no agenda, no stake in your life and they listen? Yeah. And they reflect that your feelings are valid, even if you're making mistakes, even if you're being mm -hmm. imperfect. Like, no one gets that. Yeah. No, you in, always in get their the, personal life. the person who wants to jump in and give you opinions fix. or fix it. <laughs> if there's, it's very hard for people who care for you to be that unbiased perspective. I can't do it for the people in my life. People in my life try and have me do it, and I, I've never been able to. I try and put my therapist hat on when I need to if it's being asked of me in my personal life, but 
it is one of the most challenging things because we can't turn off what we know about the people in our lives mm-hmm. and the feelings we have for them. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing as being in a therapist's office no. with our clients. Well, I've, I've cut out friends. Mm-hmm. I've ended relationships with friends who have expected me to take that position in their lives mm-hmm. because in the therapist office, it's it's not like this. Mm-hmm. You don't bounce off of each other, really. Not in the same way. Yeah. You, If you're a safe holding space for someone, that necessarily makes you put aside some of your own thoughts, opinions, beliefs, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair for someone to ask that of you yeah. if you're not prepared to give it yeah or able to I've also similarly had to step away from friendships because all of a sudden I became a therapist and I had to be perfect Mm. I had to always give way to other people's thoughts Mm -hmm. and opinions and needs at the expense of my own Mm -hmm. that was probably one of the hardest pieces of transitioning into this career was people hold therapists on some form of pedestal where you are not always entitled to being human. Mm -hmm. You can't have vulnerable emotions. You can't mess up what you say and you can't put your needs first Mm -hmm. because you're expected to always, always think about someone else's perspective. And obviously that falls into my learning about building boundaries. (laughs) Not an easy thing to do when you're a people pleaser, (laughs) but it's hard. It's, it's an evolution into who we are. I think is a huge separation between who we are as people and who we are as therapists that I think People who are in our therapy life know us one way Mm -hmm. and people who are in our personal lives know us a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's cool. But I also think that it can come with a bit of a responsibility. It's not easy. It's not simple. Well, that's why there's specific boundaries like Mm -hmm. therapy sessions last an hour. Yeah. I'm not on call. Right right? To my clients. They're not texting me every time something comes up, Mm -hmm. which I'm available to my friends in that way, in a different role. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's different. And so I think maybe that's one of the things I want the people listening to us to understand is we are therapists, but we're humans first. And so this experience is going to be about balancing both of those worlds to some degree, interviewing, chatting with people who are not clients, Mm -hmm. but also coming from the perspective of people who are trained therapists who do have a lot of knowledge and experience in the mental health world, but who want to be also people in these conversations Mm -hmm. with their own lived experiences that are really relevant to what we're trying to do, what we're trying to share. Given that this is our intro to this podcast, um, we wanted to put it out there. If you or somebody you know is interested in having this chat with us about anything relevant in your lives, 
please reach out to us at therapists after hours on Instagram. And if you know of something specific you want to hear about in our podcast topics or themes, also reach out to us on Instagram and we will happily put that together. Um, I guess this is where we say like rate, like, subscribe, (laughs) (laughs) follow. Um, And on that note, good night, fellow humans. Thank you for opening your ears and your hearts to us tonight. We hope that you'll join us for a chat next time.